And if you grab your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 today. As I mentioned just a moment ago, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, a day that we will forever remember. I was talking to our teens just a moment ago, and I was thinking uh, nobody in the teen group was born uh, when 9-11 took place. And uh, I don't feel that I'm that old. I don't feel like I'm that far removed from uh, the teens. But uh, anyway, I remember when I was four years old that took place, and I remember some, uh, some elements to that day. I remember coming home early. Uh, I remember uh, at four years old, some of you, uh, you looked at me in just a whole other perspective when I said that, right? <laughs> but anyway, it's a day that uh, everyone, uh, young and old, should pause and remember and, uh, and I, I watched an interview last night, a documentary about it, just to uh, get my mind back in focus and in the right perspective. And um, it helped me to pause and be thankful for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And um, somebody asked me, he said, uh, you know, in the context of, of the terrorists getting on the plane and doing all those things in the interview, uh, the documentary, it said that uh, these men were flagged. And they, they, uh, they knew that they were on a watch list and that's how they were able to find out who was responsible for, for what took place. And somebody asked me if they, if, they were, if they were on a watch list, why did they let them get on a plane? And I thought about that for a moment. And I said, you know, what I, what I know about flying is completely different from what you may have experienced when you were younger. Maybe you remember going on a plane and not having to practically take everything off and then put it all back on real fast and run to the plane, right? Um, we had a lot of liberties, a lot of freedoms. And uh, we were able to get on planes and not have to worry about having, what, 10 ounces worth of water or lotion or whatever the case is. There's more liberty there. And uh, when 9-11 took place, it changed how we see things. It changed how we do things. Uh, but I'm thankful that while issues and, 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 and um, difficulties may come and strike America and uh, may cause us to lose some of our liberties and some of our freedoms, I'm thankful for the freedom we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a liberty that, while Satan will try to attack it, while Satan will try to take us down, we still will always have our freedom and liberty in Christ. And uh, we are free from the bondage of sin. We're free from the, the penalty of hell and death for all of eternity. And Christ gives us an eternal home in heaven. And uh, we think about those buildings, and um, they represented our economy. They re- uh, represented the, the great might of the United States. And uh, I believe they were the, the tallest buildings at that time in the world. And uh, that represented uh, just the great might of the United States. But today, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, we find that while they are the buildings that represent the United States, we find that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And our body ought to be a representative of who Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And the title of the message today is Ruin or Royalty. Ruin or royalty, and I prepared this message, not even really thinking about uh, a 9/11 as I was putting this all together. But I believe that it's applicable. Think about the buildings that came falling to the ground, and what a sad situation that is. We par- compare that, contrast it to our building, our temple of the Holy Ghost that is in us, that God has given to us. And uh, let's all stand, if you would. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number 19, is where we'll begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, 
which ye have of God. And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's been an eventful day already. And Lord, I I find that my mind right now is a little scattered. Lord, there's a lot of distractions, a lot of cares, even within our church right now. As I look about, I think of those that are sick, and I think of those that are just staying away for precautionary measures. And Lord, I understand that. And Lord, I pray that right now, those that are watching on live stream, those that are here in the building, may we all just pause, focus on you. Lord, you are the healer, the sustainer of our life. Ultimately, Lord, we'll find here in just a moment that you are the giver of our life. So, Lord, if, if you have given us a great life, Lord, we, we do know that you will continue to help us to sustain that. And we do trust you, and we do want to be prudent, walk wise as serpents and, and harmless as doves. But, uh, Lord, we do want to put you first in everything that we do. While we may prepare the horses for battle, safety is of you. And so, Lord, we love you. I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture as it spoke to me, may the same power that you gave me, the same verses of truth that convicted my heart, may they go forth today with liberty, freedom. Lord God, my lips, may I only say the things that you'd have me to say and withhold the things that you'd have me not to say. Give me your spirit. Empower me. And Lord, be with us today. We ask your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Sometimes as I go about my life, I, I often wonder what heaven is going to be like. And I imagine myself and walking up to the gates of heaven, the pearly gates, and walking through and, and seeing the glory of God as He is uh, the sun that, that lights up heaven. And, and I walk through the, those, those golden uh, streets and I see the crystal sea. And I often sometimes will think, what is it going to be like when I see the loved ones that have gone before me? Or I think of saints that have gone and, and have lived and, and, and served the Lord and, and I cross their path. I think of uh, folks uh, uh, that are recorded in the Old Testament that have been used of God in great endeavors. How many of you have been with me and you, you, you think of somebody, man, I, I, I hope that when I get to heaven I can talk to, to David, right? I can talk to David and I can, I can say, David, what was it like? When you stood and you said, is there not a cause? And you took those stones and great Goliath was there. And he's charging you and he's got all this armor and he's got all this might. And you're able to take those stones and you're able to cast them, that single stone, and it hit him in the forehead. And wow, what an amazing story that is. Or imagine this, Noah. And you go to Noah and you say, Noah, was it eerie when you got off that boat? What was it like experiencing that much rain? What kind of persecution did you have? The Lord spoke to you and gave you the exact dimensions of the ark and how to build it. And you by faith followed through in that. And, and you, you got on the ark and, and the Lord closed the door. Wow. What an amazing thing. And then, and then the Lord preserves you and, 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 and leaves you on Mount Ararat and, and finally the door opens. And you are the only living human being besides your family on the face of the earth. Wow. 
Or you think of somebody else, you think of the Apostle Paul, or you think of, uh, of some other person, and, and, and I have so many questions I want to ask, and I think when I actually get to heaven and I see God in His glory, all those things are going to pale in comparison. But I remember uh, talking with somebody not too long ago, and I was sharing this very same thought. Who do you want to see in heaven? Who do you want to talk to? Uh, what, what great story would you like to just maybe have a little bit more light on and, and, and see their perspective on things? They said, well, and then named a couple people. Something that I just mentioned. That person brought up this very thought. Do you think that maybe one of them, perhaps a David, perhaps a Noah, perhaps an Elijah, might come to us, might ask us as New Testament saved believers? Sure, it was great to be able to be used to slay Goliath. Sure, it was great to build the ark and See, God, preserve my family. Sure, it was great to see fire come down from heaven and, and, and take away the altar and, and lick up even the water of the altar. But let me ask you this, Christian. What was it like to have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? You see, the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit of God living and indwelling them like we have today, everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit of God living and abiding in them forever. If you turn Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, I want to reveal this truth to you as, a, as an introduction into what we're going to be studying today about the Holy Spirit and us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. But Ephesians chapter 1, just a few books over. Verse number 12, that we should be the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the, unto, uh, the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of His glory. When you first heard the truth, when you first heard the gospel, when you realized, number one, that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and that uh, when, when you died, you were going to go to a Christless eternity, a place where God is not present. You were going to go to a place called hell, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you finally, as the, the, the passage reads here, he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that Jesus came. He died on the cross of Calvary for you and for me so that we can have an eternity in heaven, so that He can pay our sin debt, so that He can take it uh, on off of our account and lay it on His account. And He can say the debt is paid in full. When you trusted in that, Christian, you were given the Holy Spirit of promise, the Holy Ghost. As we look at this passage in its context, we look at Ephesus. And uh, this is, that, that's the city that Ephesians was written to, written to a church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a harbor town. You think about if you were to just go down uh, south from here and you were to go down to the Bayonne area, Bayonne, New Jersey, New York City, you look about and you'll see a lot of, uh, you'll see a lot of ships that, that transport goods and you'll see giant crates and things like that. That is kind of what Ephesus was like. It was a, a harbor town that had uh, vast amounts of shipping and, 
and uh, people would come through and they'd buy goods and uh, then they would go away and get the appropriate uh, vehicles or appropriate boating equipment and they would come and they would uh, um, pick up their purchased goods and, and take them away to wherever they were. And uh, not as easy as us today. Sometimes, uh, you know, if we're hungry, we're just able to pick up our phone and, and go on Grubhub or something like that and, and just have somebody transport that for us. Um, you know, we're able to pay on the phone and all those things. We only have to move. But uh, when you think about this first century church, as they, were, um, as they were purchasing goods, they would go out and they would have to plan, how am I going to get this to my destination? How am I going to transport this? And so looking at this passage, when you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, He gave you a seal. The seal is the Holy Spirit of God who lives and abides with you. And one day, just as if uh, somebody were to purchase something, you have a receipt. Imagine with me, I were to go to Home Depot and I were to pick up some lumber. I don't have a truck or anything like that, but I have to pick up the lumber and, and I'd have to think about it. I purchase that and I, they, they give me a receipt that says, this wood is mine. This is what we've set aside for you. You have purchased this. It's paid in full. You have not taken it with you yet, but we've set this aside. We know that you purchased this. I go out, and I were to get a truck, and I were to come back, and I would lay down that receipt, and I would say, I already paid for this lumber. All I need to do is just take it. What Jesus Christ did for you when you accepted Him is He gave you a seal. He gave you a receipt. And He said, hey, I've already purchased this. I've already purchased this saved individual. I've already purchased them out of their sin debt. They are mine. And now I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again to receive you unto Myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And I'm thankful that God didn't just save us and leave us on this earth and said, I hope you figure it out. But rather, He gives us the Holy Spirit of promise that lives and indwells, seals us so that we can know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Praise God for that. So as we think about this, the Holy Spirit of God, a member of the Trinity, is living inside of us. What are the benefits of having the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, I think about this in John chapter 14, verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, the Comforter, another name for the Holy Spirit, he comforts us. When we're in times of trouble, we're in trial, times of difficulty, and circumstances aren't looking good, the Holy Spirit comforts us. He says, hey, I'm here to help you. Hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, listen, uh, if, if God is living inside of me, He's not going to hurt Himself. He's not going to afflict Himself. He's not going to cause me to... We, we think about hell, and probably the worst thing about hell is the fact that it is, it is without God. We can't fathom that here on this earth. We have Christians that, are, uh, that have the Holy Spirit. Uh, we think of or two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And we think about all those verses that talk about uh, God's presence here and abiding with us. When you're in hell, there is no presence of God. There is no comfort. There is no help. That is the end. That is what makes hell probably the most scary thing is that you have no hope. You have no God to turn to. And so as we think about this, He is our comforter. He lives and abides with us. And even in our deepest difficulties, He is still there. When we read His Word, He gives us words of comfort. And, and we find hope and help and promises that will get us to the next step. 
that will guide us in all wisdom. He helps us in our witness. He doesn't just comfort. He helps us in our witness. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The whole purpose of why we're here on this earth is to preach the gospel. Every one of you are here and know Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior because somebody taught you. And so you are to take that very same truth and teach it to somebody else. And I'm comforted that when I go to a door, and I may not have all the words to say in my mind, I'm comforted by this thought that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He helps in our witness. We can be bolder witnesses. How about this? He also reproves. John chapter 16, verse number 8. And when he said, uh, when he is come, that is the comfort of the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He helps me to know what is right, what is wrong. He reproves me of the times and convicts me when I've sinned and when I've trespassed against the Holy Spirit of God. He helps me to find righteousness. He judges me. He tells me what is right, what is wrong. He is a help so that I can live the appropriate Christian life. He comforts, He helps in our witness, He reproves. He guides in all truth. John 16, verse number 13, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. How many of you are like me? You, you sit there and you'll read your Bible and you're just not understanding what it's saying. Right? You'll come across a passage of Scripture and, and you just know. The Apostle Paul is he's waxing a little eloquent right here. And I'm trying to figure out what is he saying. You know what? God doesn't want us to just figure it out by ourselves. He gives us the greatest resource we have as Christians, the Holy Spirit. And that as uh, for he, uh, he shall not speak of himself, but who, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shows us the prophecy that's mentioned in Scripture and helps us to understand what is coming up, what will happen in, next on the calendar. He helps us to see truth. The Apostle Paul was teaching different doctrines. As I put this message together, there were some aspects of the Holy Spirit that I said, please help me to understand what this means. Please help me to be appropriately, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I believe the Holy Spirit uh, helped me, and I hope He's helping you right now as you're reading these passages of Scripture to understand and for yourself know that He is guiding you into all truth. And finally, another benefit of the Holy Spirit is the, the fruit that you bear when you have Him. If you turn Galatians chapter number 5, if you're in Ephesians, that should be just a page over. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, says this, But the fruit of the Spirit, let's pause there. When you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, He's planted, He's rooted, what's going to happen is He's going to grow, He's going to fill, and He is going to produce fruit in your life. What is the fruit that will come about because of you having the Holy Spirit inside of you. Number one, love. Love. We live in a society today that is trying to define love like no other. And unfortunately, I believe today the reason why our culture is being so bold in how to define love is because they cease to see what true love is in a Christian. The Holy Spirit ought to live and dwell inside of us and be filled. And as He fills us, uh, these fruits ought to naturally come about. But sometimes we can quench that. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We can grieve Him. 
We cannot give Him His rightful space to produce these things in our life. And the very first thing that we can, when we quench the Holy Spirit of God, one thing that we don't begin to produce is that of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not God knoweth not God, for God is love. You want a definition for love today? Love. God is that love. You want to see love in action? Look at John chapter 15, verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The 20 year anniversary of 9-11. We stand and we salute and we thank the men and women that charged into those buildings at a time of difficulty, at a time when death was imminent. And they said, I am going to lay down my life for the love of my country, for the love of my neighbor, for the love of the person in the 60th floor that I need to charge up those stairs. And it may cost me my life. It may cost me uh, uh, my badge. It may cost me everything. But I am willing to do it. And while we look at the men and women that had the courage to do that, we think of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, they are helpless. They can't go to heaven in and of themselves. I need, to, I need to come and I need to dwell on this earth and I need to die in the cross of Calvary to pay their sin debt. And I praise God for the great example of love that He exemplified on the cross of Calvary. And that we can have an eternal home in heaven with Him. Love is an affection or to have benevolence or goodwill for. Do you love the person that cuts you off on the highway? Right? I hope they have goodwill. Right? You're saying that with kind of a little bit of a twinkle in your eye, you know, hoping they get in an accident or something like that. Right? I don't do that. Amen? But uh, you think about that. I'm, I'm going to be very pointed when it comes to you know highway. I, I know I know New York drivers, been part of it, grew up in the Northeast, and uh, you know you always think that your area is just the worst drivers. And uh, I have to say, I think this area really is the worst drivers. Been in <laughs> been in uh, Los Angeles with traffic, and um, you know they don't get a lot of accidents because they're just stuck in traffic all day. Uh, I've been in Texas, and they fly 100 miles per hour. Um, I, I remember driving with a, a pastor one time. He was visiting, and uh, the highway said it was uh, the highway uh, speed limit was was 85 miles per hour, and uh, everything's bigger in Texas, even the speed. And uh, they'll just race down there. And, uh, and but uh, truly, I believe that there are some. Uh, they'll just cut you off here for no reason. They may not go any faster. They'll just kind of zip around you, and they'll still get stuck in the same uh, same line as you. Uh, it's it's wild stuff. But uh, do, we, do we react as Christians in a loving manner when that happens? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit of God to shine through in moments of difficulty? Do we quench Him? Do we grieve Him by our own pride, by our own actions? about this joy? That's the next thing that will be produced by having the Holy Spirit. A delight of the mind. You have joy when that person cuts you off? Right? And I can use many other examples. Peace. A state of quiet tranquility. We, many of you know that my wife and I, we just moved recently and we were in a small better apartment that was right in the corner of uh, Stratford Avenue and Main Street. And uh, right across the street, we had a cannabis dispensary and on the other side, we had a bar and, um, and then a lot of traffic going through that road and a lot of sleepless nights sometimes. The bar would get a little rowdy, get real loud and keep us up at night. And the, the bands would be playing at full, uh, full uh, amps and we could just... just 
feel ourselves moving to the beat, you know? You ever have that happen? That person in the car, you know, you're stuck at the red light, the longest red light, and that guy comes up to you in that muscle car, boom, 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 you know, you're like, okay? And we, 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 we're surrounded by people that don't know what peace is. Because they always have to have some kind of something amping through them, right? There's no tranquility. There's no quietness, state of quiet. Long-suffering, patient, not easily provoked. That person cuts you off, right? I'm just going to keep going to that. That's a, that's a good example. I think that, that touches everybody. Gentleness, softness of manner. Goodness, showing forth the acts of kindness. Faith, belief, the assertion of the mind uh, to truth of that which is declared by another, resting in his authority and veracity without other evidence. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Later in verse number 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. If you don't have a spirit uh, that is bearing fruit of faith in your life, you're not pleasing God. How important it is that we allow the Holy Spirit to have free course. That we can be uh, Christians that please God. Meekness, humility, resignation, submission to the divine will without murmuring or uh, perverseness. Temperance, under control, not excessive. You're able to control yourself. While everybody's reactionary to a situation, you're temperate, you're under control. You're able to see, not getting emotional. You're able to control your, your body, your whole will. So with all that being said, the benefits of the Holy Spirit, what happens when the Holy Spirit lives and abides and grows and is filled in us, this is what is produced. So let's go back to our passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, with all that in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want us to look at this church in Corinth. With all that being in mind, I want us to first see the forgotten principles. The forgotten principles. This is what the church had forgotten. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Paul's writing an admonishing letter to the church in Corinth because they had forgotten two simple principles every Christian needs to keep in the forefront of their mind. What are these two principles? What are the forgotten principles that they they put aside? Number one, they forgot that God is the presenter. They forgot that God is the presenter. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Everything that you have, your body, your life, was given to you by the Lord Himself. He came uh, uh, to this earth and He created everything in six literal days and He rested on the seventh and He looked and He, he, he found man and, and He created him in His image and He, he allowed uh, Adam to fall asleep and He took the rib and He created out of His rib Eve and, and God creates you and me and uh, Jeremiah reminds us that before I formed thee, I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations and I'm comforted today that... Uh, uh, my, my daughter that is, uh, that is coming soon, January 21st. We're looking forward to it. we got the date on the calendar. Right? It's an important day for me. Taking off work. Letting Pastor know right now. Okay? But I think about that. 
And while doctors are, are, are prudent, and I think it's, it's helpful that they do all these studies, I'm comforted by the very fact that my daughter is going to come out the way that God wants her to come out. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God knows her name. God has a purpose for her. God has already ordained her, already put her in a place where uh, she, she can uh, follow the free course of the Holy Spirit when she gets saved. And, and everything that she has, the fingers you have to move, the mouth I have to speak, the eyes that I can see you, was all given to me by the Lord above, the God of this universe. And sometimes we forget that. Our body's mine. I can do with it what I want. Have you ever heard this phrase? My body, my choice. I believe today we forget that principle. It's not my body, my choice. It's God's body, my stewardship. Everything we have is of the Lord. Not only did He give us this great body that we were able to have and we were able to uh, live life with. But number two, He gives us the Spirit. The temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. And we forget that. We take our body and we defile it. We watch and we, we fill it with filth. And, and we begin to do uh, things that, that God in heaven should not be a part of. And we start to think, well, I can do what I want to do. I can, I, in my body, my choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this myself. I'm going to make this decision. And, and we forget that the Holy Ghost of God is living and abiding within us. He gave us this great gift with so many benefits uh, that He comforts us with and allows uh, great fruits of the Spirit to come forth. And we forget the principle that God is the presenter of our life and of our spirit. But number two, not only do we forget that God is the presenter, we forget that God is the purchaser. God is the purchaser. Look at verse number 20. For ye are bought with a price. What was that price? Acts chapter 20, verse number 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock which, uh, the, which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which He, Jesus Christ, hath purchased with His own blood. This passage is speaking to the pastors and is saying, hey, listen, uh, God has given you a flock. He's given you a church. And it's your job to feed and to oversee this church. But ultimately, it's not your church. It's God's church. We find uh, earlier in the Matthew that, uh, that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I look around us today and we are a church where some are missing and, and some are sick and some are in affliction. That's perfectly fine. But we're assembled here today and all of us together are purchased by the same precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died nearly 2,000 years ago on a cross for you and for me because I had transgressed against the Lord. I was in need of a Savior. And He looked at me and He said, I am willing to come and die for you and purchase what needs to be purchased for with my own blood. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession. When He seals us, it shows that He has purchased us under the praise of His glory. But when we forget that God is the presenter, 
when we forget that God is the purchaser of our life, we are in debt to Him, we begin to get involved in filthy practices. Forgotten principles lead to filthy practices. If we read just the verse prior, the verses prior to our text today, we find that the church in Corinth had open fornication taking place. They were, they were just, uh, just involved in it, and, and it happened uh, all the time. And, and we even think of the church in Corinth as you have the, the Pantheon, the Parthenon, and all those things within that area that they would go and they would make filthy sacrifices to, and, and they would give their bodies over to uncleanness and immorality time and time again. And the church had gotten involved in this. They had adopted the cultural norms of that day, and they began with filthy practices. When we forget God, we forget His Spirit, and we quench it, we put it down, we find that while the Spirit does produce fruit, our flesh also produces a fruit. Not a good fruit, rotten fruit. Looking at that same passage in Galatians, we look at verse number 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust." Of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. So that ye cannot do the things which ye would, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, this is what happens when we are filled in the flesh, we're operating in the flesh, are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Lasciviousness or looseness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, altering something that uh, was formerly laid, emulations, obtaining carnal favor from another, wrath, strife, seditions, rising opposition or disturbance, heresies, unsound doctrinal teachings, Envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I told you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.25 If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. When we forget the principles, we begin to get involved in the works of the flesh. And even though we are saved, even though the Holy Spirit of God is living and abiding in us, we can quench Him. We can grieve Him. We can put Him down. What happens is we begin to go back to the way we used to be. We get to do the things that the Bible says is the old man. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. So we begin to get involved in these work, the works of filthiness. And, and so the Apostle Paul is, is reprimanding them. And he says, listen, you've forgotten... You've forgotten your purpose. You've forgotten these principles. You've forgotten what what the whole purpose of Christianity is about. You're getting involved in filthy practices. So thirdly, let let me fix your perspective. A fixed perspective. What does the Bible say in verse number 19? What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? You know, I think I, I, I have a weird fascination with abandoned buildings. And, uh, and I, I, I go on YouTube and I'll watch, I'll watch guys that go to abandoned areas of New York, you know, subway systems that, uh, 
They don't use any more, you know, different uh, buildings, some cathedrals that just have beautiful stained glass. But you can tell that there's been decay. And uh, I, I remember knowing, I met somebody uh, years ago. He, he had a strong Boston accent. His name was Joe, and he was an engineer. And, uh, and Joe would tell me, you know, uh, Andrew, I, I, went to, I went to Detroit, and I went to, uh, I remember him specifically saying he went to a, I believe it was a GM manufacturer factory. And uh, it goes in there, and this was shortly after, I believe, um, just around 2008, 2009, when uh, those bailouts were all taking place. And a lot of these manufacturing businesses had shut down. And, um, and, and he said, I walked through, and it, it, was, it was eerie. It was almost as if one day just somebody said, hey, don't come to work. And it just stopped. And I remember walking down the assembly line and seeing pieces of cars. And you kept walking down. It was like, you know, all they needed to do was just put this one window back on. Or they just needed to put this, this door on. Or, and, and, and it was almost there. They almost had produced these cars, but they just stopped. And then I went and I went into the office buildings. And there's, people hadn't been here in, in months. There's still pictures of loved ones taped on the walls. There's still coffee cups with old coffee about halfway full. It's just like, it's just abandoned, just gone. Everybody just disappeared. And, and I think of that, I think of these abandoned buildings, and I think of how they're so close to producing something great, and, 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 and thinking about what they represent. And I think about our building. I think about our temple. We're not a temple to another man. We're not a temple to, to, to garbage. We're not a temple to a Diana. We are a temple of the Holy Ghost of God. A member of the Trinity who comes and lives and abides in us. We think about these abandoned buildings and, and a lot of times it just takes some work to get them back. Sometimes as, as decay takes place, sometimes it's just better to knock the building down than, than rather build it back up. But there are some buildings, you can even go on Bridgeport, and, and, and maybe you just need to just take a little bit of restoration and, and just a little bit of care and just a little bit of, uh, of, of, of work to get these back into their original glory. And so as we look at us being the temple of the Holy Ghost, I want us to look at the elements of our temple that need to be put off, things that need to be removed, things that need to be put on. I'm thankful in the Bible there are, uh, consistently, there are times when the Bible doesn't just say we need to remove this, but there are times when the Bible says we need to put this in its place. You might find this in, in the area of music. You might find a, a song or, or some kind of album that you know is not something that the Lord wants you to listen to. And so you'll delete it off your phone. you say, I don't want to listen to that anymore. But if you don't fill it with something else, you have that void. How many of you are like me? That sinful thing just kind of creeps back in its place. And so God gives us this principle of putting off and putting on. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I know I've turned, had you turn to a lot of different places, but if you would, Ephesians chapter 4. I think this will be a help to you. I've gone through this passage of Scripture and in red. I've listed what needs to be put off. And in green, I've, I've listed what needs to be put back in its place. And, and maybe you, um, maybe on the side of your Bible, you'll, you'll, you'll highlight certain things and you'll say, this I need to put off and this I need to put on. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation. The former lifestyle you had before you got saved. You need to put that away. Now, church in Ephesus, they were a saved body of individuals, but they weren't always acting like it. May I say, we don't always act like it either. That was a first century church. We're the 21st century church. 
But you know what? We still struggle with a lot of the same problems they did. So put off that former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So the things, we sing that song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. All right? We don't just stop at taking things away. What does the Bible say next? We're to put, put on renewed in the spirit of your mind. And they put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we're taking off the old man, things I used to do, and not doing them anymore. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the new man that God has given me, a new mindset, a new lifestyle, a new way of looking at life, a new worldview, if I may say so, and I'm putting that on, a lens through which uh, I look at the world through the Bible. Wherefore, put away, put away lying. Put away lying. Our world promotes half-truths a lot, right? Not all the time. But uh, our, our world promotes news that maybe isn't the whole truth. We've gotten away from, from even the pledge. Uh, when, when somebody's in court, you know, you've got to put your hand in the Bible and, and say, you, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. We've taken that out. And I think our culture, our Christians, should only be speaking truth. We should put away lying, even the simple ones, even the, the little fibs. I, I talked to our teenagers today about uh, appropriate communication, that God uh, wants us to glorify Him and wants us to edify others. And I said, you need to get those lies away. People that are lying to you, people that are deceiving you, people that are okay with just spreading a little uh, white lie here or a little fib here. Hey, depart from that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh, and so we're putting away lying. We're not speaking those lies anymore. We're speak every man truth to his neighbor, with his neighbor. We're putting off lying. We're putting on truth. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let's see what's next. What are we putting off? Let him that stole steal no more. Christians ought not steal. But what are we putting on? But rather, let him labor working with his hands that which is good. Hey, don't steal. Don't steal to make ends meet. Let's labor. Let's be hard workers. And let me say this. If you're working in a workplace, you might be there in body, but you're not laboring. And you're stealing your employer's Money because you're just there. You're doing the bare minimum, but you're not working. Uh, I, I, I pray that Christians today, we will be distinct in our work, in our labor. We'll be working hard. That they'll know us by our works. Oh, you're not like that guy that, that has fallen asleep when he gets to work. When you're there, you're there. You're getting stuff done. You're making it happen. So let us labor working with our hands that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Nothing that is corrupt. Nothing that will hurt somebody, that will defile somebody. No curses. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. Who have you lifted up in your words this week? Who have you lifted up in your words today? You might have complimented somebody and said, man, I, I, love, I love your outfit today. I love your suit. I love your tie. You're looking sharp. Hey, you know, smell good. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. It's so good to see you. But can I say there's, there's probably times where maybe even in our own spirit, we're like, wow, that person stinks. Man, they don't, they don't look too good today. 
And sometimes we let that come out of our mouth to somebody else and gossip. Maybe we let that known to them and, and just face to face. Northeasterners, we're good at being blunt. Amen? We got a problem? Let's take it to them. But, uh, but let us let no corrupt communication proceed out of their mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. What happened to this phrase? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right? Don't even think it. Don't even think it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's edify that which is uh, that, that it may minister grace into the hearer and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We can grieve Him. He's a person. It's like you and I. We say, sing, say things, do things, are in the company of things we shouldn't be in. And you know what? It grieves us. Gets us down. Gets us uh, distraught. Whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, these are things we need to put off, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let that not even be in your daily conversation and your lifestyle. But what are we putting in its place? Be ye kind one to another. You have a struggle with anger? You have a problem with anger? Let me encourage you today to be intentionally kind to everybody around you. Be intentionally kind to everybody around you. This person just sets me off. I can't take them. Go to them. I'm so thankful for you. All right, don't, don't lie, okay? Don't lie. We're putting away lying, okay? We're not doing that. But you know what? You can, you can go to them and you can... No person is, ha, has everything wrong, all right? We may think that. But, but go to them. You know what? I appreciate you being punctual. You're always here on time. You, know you always do your best in this. You always have such a, a good smile on your face. I know you're going through difficulties. Let us be kind one to another, tender-hearted, thinking about what somebody else is going through. You never really know. You don't know what's going on behind the curtain of home behind the curtain of work, behind the curtain of their friendships, their relationships that are going on. Be kind to everyone. We all have cares. We all have difficulties. You don't know what your words, how they will impact. Forgiving one another. How much do we forgive? Well, it, the Bible is very specific. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Your very worst deed you ever did against God in trespassing in your sin, God forgave you. And He gave you a home in heaven for all of eternity. Forgive those. So we're looking about this. And, and we're evaluating our temple. It's a fixed perspective. The temple of the Holy Ghost. Not just anybody. The Holy Ghost of God. It's an important thing. It is a holy thing. He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's not just the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Alright? Putting emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I think about this, him indwelling in us, and I, I thought this past week I had, I had a couple friends come down um, in, in the area, and, uh, and uh, one of them was a pastor, and I have two friends that are my age, and, and um, we went to a Yankees game, and uh, we had a good time, played the Orioles, beat the Orioles, hallelujah, it was probably the only game that they beat the Orioles in that series, so it kind of was a little depressing, but we were there for the game that they won, and, um, and it, was a, it was a good time, but it was late. And uh, we went through New York traffic, and I told him, I just come up to my place. Don't spend $200 on, on, on a hotel. Uh, just come up, stay here with us, and, uh, and we'll, you, know, you can just stay at our house, and we'll have bedding and things for you. Well, little did I know that we, we have some bedding and storage, and uh, we got a big rain uh, last week. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And uh, a lot of the stuff that we had in storage ended up getting water damage, about, about three inches or so. And uh, we had no idea. 
And I got a call that day or a text and said, hey, you should probably come over and check this out. There's a number of things that, uh, that were in some water, just some puddles of water. Um, you probably should just get over here and, and take a look at it. And, and I was thankful for that. And I came over there and, and uh, found out the mattress that I had planned to, to put uh, my, my pastor friend uh, had, had been in some water. And so I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to have him sleep in, in, a, in a water bed, you know? And... Um, so I'm thinking, and I'm trying to put this all together, and I'm thinking, all right, when I come back from the Yankees game, I know i got to leave right now. When I come back from the Yankees game, I'm going to go to Walmart and pick up a, uh, an air mattress, and he'll be able to stay in his own room with an air mattress. Why? Because I have a high regard for this pastor, right? He's a man of God, and I want to put him in a comfortable place. Uh, it was a weekend, so I want him to feel like he's got rest, and he can travel up to his church and, and not have any issues, and I get back after the Yankees game, it's about midnight. Little did I know, Walmarts around here are not open 24-7. They are in Texas, all right? That's the only good thing about Texas. But, uh, but uh, they're open. They are not open that late at night. And I, I sat in the parking lot, and I'm devastated. What am I going to do? So I'm looking on, on Google Maps. Where do I go? Target closed, right? I'm looking at every place. Amazon, are they going to get it here in the next five minutes? Any, anywhere that's willing to get it. I want to get this bed for this pastor. And I thought, you know, I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to. I ended up finding a place that, that had two old mattresses, and I was able to take those and, and borrow those. Uh, but but the, the pastor was just so weary. He had driven through New York traffic and wasn't used to it, and he's, he's ready to go to bed. And so I told him, well, just, just rest here on the couch, and, and uh, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have a way to, to, to house the other guys in just a moment. So we went out. One o'clock in the morning, we found these two beds, we brought them back, and, uh, and he's trying to sleep on this couch as hard as he can. And the whole time I'm feeling bad, pastor sleeping on the couch. And I put these two men in the side room with, with just uh, mattresses on the ground and just some sheets to, to lay over it. And they're just young, you know, teenage guys. They'll, they'll be okay, right? Don't think about them. Uh, but uh, I thought about that. It filled my head and I felt bad. I said, wow, I'm in the presence of this, this pastor I appreciate him and all that he's done. He's sleeping on my couch. Wow. And I thought about that as I was preparing this message, how the Holy Ghost of God, God in heaven, is living and abiding in me, and sometimes I'm willing to give him my second best. I'm willing to give him my couch. Uh, George's beat up, got a hole in it, it stinks a little bit. It, you know, it's just a place where I just kind of come and sit and I don't really think much about it. And I've already alluded to this, my body, my choice, but really it's, it's God's body, my stewardship. And sometimes in our actions we'll quench the Holy Spirit of God. And James chapter 4, verse number 8 says, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse you, your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. If we want to get back to the place where we are a, a temple that is pure, holy, fit for the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit to live inside and to use, we need to get working and drawing nigh to God, getting back in order the way things should be. So we looked at the temple, finally we look at the task. The task at hand. How do we make these things, uh, uh, how do we make ourselves a temple that is fit for the Holy Ghost to use, the Holy Spirit to use? Therefore, glorify God in your body. That is the ultimate uh, objective that we should have in life. 1 Corinthians 6.20, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So the first task is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled so that you can glorify Him. Be filled... Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
So forsake those things. We talked a lot about the works of the flesh. Forsake the works of the flesh. Forsake what you desire. Forsake what is your second best and go for what is the best, what is holy, what is pure, what is true. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Get rid of that filth of your flesh and start filling Him with the Spirit. And in doing so, then you will start to produce fruit that is good, fruit that is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things we mentioned earlier. Once we're filled with the Spirit of God, once we're empty of ourself, empty of the flesh, then, and only then, can we, number two, give glory to God. Give glory to God. Every person in here, we all have the same objective. Give glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And I'll be, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm guilty of this, and I'll just say, yeah, I want to glorify God, I want to glorify God. But what does glorifying God really mean? Well, when we think of that word glory, it's to make God big. Make Him look big. Exemplify Him. Uh, ascend in adoration. Give honor to boast on His greatness. We make God look to be like this, this little guy. Yeah, I guess God will come through. God, I guess He'll meet my needs. Yeah, I guess he loves me. Yeah, I guess he forgave me. God forgave you. Hallelujah. God loves you. He is the supreme meaning of love. He, he gave himself for you. He has so many attributes that we can rejoice in. Even this morning we sang, dwelling in Beulah land until then, only a sinner saved by grace. And did you stand there and say, well, this isn't really much to sing about? Eh. Yeah, only a sinner saved by grace. I would have gotten there one way or another. No, my friend. There is only one way to heaven. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And He saved you. I feel like if we were to just take one peek, one glimpse at hell, we would see what we're really saved from. And our voice, we, would, we, would, we, we wouldn't stop praising Him. But we become complacent. We forget the principles. We get filled with filth. and Priorities that are against God. We say, I'll glorify Him. Let's ascend Him on high. Let's lift Him up in His proper place. Let's let the whole world know that our God is greater than any God that this world could ever, ever give. And then let me say this. As we make God big in our lifestyle, in our voices, let's make Him big in our witness. John chapter 15, verse number 8. You want to glorify God? Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. And so shall ye be my disciples. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, one benefit I talked about is that we have His help when we're witnessing. And my mind is not always there. Even right now, right? And, and we get distracted and we don't know, I don't know what I'm going to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. But when we obey God, we start by being filled with the Spirit and we say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to go before me. We knock on a door. Or we go to a neighbor. We go to a friend. And we say, hey, there's something that is so important that I've been meaning to tell you. Beyond the sports game. Beyond whatever's going on in the news. There is something that takes supreme priority in my conversation with you. And that is, you need to be saved. We're doing it in a spirit of love, right? Because we're filled with the Spirit. So love ought to come forth. Joy, peace, long-suffering, 
They need help. Right? We're, we're, they may not accept Him right then and there, but we're going back. We're long-suffering. We're going to keep going back. Hey, you need, you need help. Hey, I want to help you. It's the same help I was able to receive long ago when I accepted Christ as my Savior. You need to be saved. You're on, a, you're on your way to hell. And, and God wants to save you from your sin. He wants to take you to, to a home in heaven when we're filled with Him. And when we, we're able to see people come to know Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. As I prepared this message, I was convicted of my own self. I become complacent with just having the Holy Spirit in me, but not filling me. And it impacts how we live. People aren't able to see love the way they ought to see love. People aren't able to have joy. Like we have joy. We're not exemplifying it properly. We begin to fill ourselves with filth, filthy practices. In just a moment, the piano is going to play. You have two choices today. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Will you leave here today in ruins? Are you a little beat up today? Is your body not what it should be, being the temple of the Holy Ghost? Or will you ask the Lord to help you to make your body and everything that you do, your whole lifestyle, fit for royalty, for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last? Convicting to all of us, may we be a church that is a peculiar people, set forth, set apart, from this earth. Let's all stand together. The piano is going to play in just a moment. If the Lord uh, pricked your heart. If the Spirit of God pricked your heart and said, you know what? I need to be stronger in my witness. And being stronger in my witness, I need to be filled with the Spirit more.